Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. It's good to be with you guys this morning. It's always a joy that I get to come up and normally I take over and, and host the service and do some announcements and everything, but it's a joy to be able to share with you what God has been putting on my heart. And I hope that as much as it encouraged me, I hope that it encourages you this morning. Let's get into it. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Daniel. We'll be in chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. The title of my message today is Even If. Even If. I'm going to read Daniel chapter one, uh, 3 verse 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura, the province of Babylon. So um, King Nebuchadnezzar is the king at the time of Babylon. And what this guy did is he created and made a statue out of gold that's 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And uh, as we read further on, I think it's in verse three or four, he basically, whenever the instruments start to play, whenever the gong is sounded and the bell rings and the guitars and the instruments start to play, that's a signal for all the people in the kingdom to bow down and worship this idol. Now, my first, my first little side note is this. The world is incredibly talented and gifted at creating things in our lives or around us in our world that distract us, and they, the, the devil wants us to worship those things. The devil wants us to take our eye and our mind and our heart off of God, off of our creator, off of Christ, and look at these massive, glorious, beautiful things. Can you guys understand what I'm saying? Does the world do a good job at that? We as Christians need to be like these three men that we're going to read about and keep our eyes focused on God, regardless of how magnificent, regardless of how beautiful, regardless of how amazing this thing looks or sounds in our world today, we must not bow down and praise and worship something other than Christ and Christ alone. Amen? Let's keep reading. In, verse chapter, in chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So anyone who does not bow down and worship this massive statue is going to be thrown into the furnace and they'll die. This is serious business. This is serious even in our own day today. You know, we're not at a point of, of being persecuted in that way for our faith here in North America. In other places in the world, they are. But I still believe that it doesn't matter if they're over there or if you're over here. We need to stay planted in the word of God alone and not budge on this thing. We're not going to budge to the enemy. We're not going to budge to the world. We're going to stay focused and planted on his word and his word alone. So in verse 12 it says, But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. So King Nebuchadnezzar, just a little backstory, has put these three men in a, in a prominent place in the kingdom of Babylon, and he's made them leaders. And these other guys, it's kind of funny, these other guys in the kingdom realize that these three dudes aren't bowing down and worshiping this great statue. So they actually go rat on these dudes, and they say, hey, King, I don't know if you know this yet, but there's these three guys who aren't obeying you. They're not listening to your decree. And I'm pretty sure you said this. So King Nebuchadnezzar come, like, calls them to them. Uh, so they say, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. 
So King Nebuchadnezzar calls them into his courts, and he says to them, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship this gold statue that I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? This is King Nebuchadnezzar. This is what he's saying to these three men. This is the response. This is where we get this even if. Shadrach, Meshach, so in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, then Abednego say this, replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. I want to stop there for a second. If you've noticed, they respectfully honor the king. They respectfully honor him. So we as Christians need to respectfully honor. But at the same time, they say, just hold on a second. We serve Yahweh and Yahweh alone. We're going to stand firm on his word. I love this part here. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. It doesn't say that he will raise us from the dead. It doesn't say that when we die, God is able enough to keep us alive and raise us from the dead. What does this say? It says that he will keep us from your power. Some of us are going through situations in our lives right now, whether it be with family, with finances, with relationships, with friends, with work, where we feel, we feel like we're in a difficult time. We're in a difficult season, a crushing season. And we're like, God, why are we here? Why am I getting put through this trial? Why am I getting put through this circumstance? Why are people speaking badly about me? Why do I feel like I'm being attacked? I want to tell you today that God will not leave you alone in that trial. And you know what? There may be, there, there will come a time, it's, it's kind of a sad thing. We're all going to die at some point. There may be a time when the world will persecute us or you will, you will be persecuted in your faith and you will die. But God will be with you in all circumstances and you will be victorious because what? You are in Christ and Christ is in you. And who is Christ in? Christ is in the Father. So we're in the Father. So we will be able to stand victorious at the end of the age with God, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. Are you guys following with me? To finish this verse, it says this, but even if he doesn't, even if my God doesn't save me from your power, from your hand, King Nebuchadnezzar, even if we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear. Our desire as Christians should be that we give God all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. That our lives, in the midst of the lowest times of our lives, of the difficulty and the trials that we are in, we want to say, Lord, this is for your glory. I'm submitted to you and to you alone. I will walk through this trial with you as my, my, my focus on you. My eyes will be on you, Lord, and nothing else so that your glory may come. And I want to walk through um, my victories like that. I don't want to just be a good Christian and, you know, hunker down and read my Bible and get in my prayer closet when I'm going through difficult times. I want to be involved and be planted on the Word of God when I'm in the, the highs of my life, just as Jesus was. 
I'm convinced that Jesus was just as much focused on his time with his heavenly father in the difficult times as it was in the, in the bountiful and the plentiful times. I want to be a good Christian in all areas of my life. Do you want to be a good Christian in all areas of your life? Come on. Some of you said amen today. <laughs> I want you to go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses 21 to 23. You know, we, we see in this story of these three guys, they're facing death. So these guys, they, they work in the palace or in the kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar has built. They know what the blazing furnace is. They probably know where it is in the building or in the vicinity. They know it's not just for cooking pizzas. This ain't no brick oven for some pizza at whatever Italian restaurant. This is serious business. And they had the resolve. They had the courage. They had the faith to say, you know what? I know where I'm going. I know what it may look like. I know what this may cost me. But King Nebuchadnezzar, your hand will not have the final say. Your hand will not have the final rule over my life. You may kill my body. You may persecute me. You may kill me and take me away. But I will be victorious in Christ and in Christ alone because we serve Yahweh. We serve God. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, the one who knows the end from the beginning. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 23, I'm going to read this here in 21. It says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ himself suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow his steps. He never sinned, nor deceived, no, ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of the one, in the hands of God, who always judges justly. I like the way the ESV, that was the NLT, the ESV says it like this, he entrusted himself. He entrusted. What does that mean, to entrust yourself? It means to fully open up your mind, open up your heart and your hands and say, God, I know that there's a furnace in front of me. I know that my job is really hard right now. I know that I can't make ends meet, but I fully entrust myself into your hands because I know that you see my case. I know that you will judge my case justly. I may not see the resolution here on earth, but I know that when I'm in your courts, when I'm in heaven with you, I know that I will see the victory because I know that you will move through my life and in my life and you will show Christ to other people. I want to point out something. This word example in verse 21 where it says that Christ suffered for you and Christ is your example and you must follow in his steps. The, word, the Greek word here for example, I'm going to butcher this, so bear with me. I believe it's hypogrammos. H-U-P-O-G-R-A-M-M-O-S. If anybody can figure that out, you can talk to me after the service. <laughs> but this is what this means. This is what Peter is, is communicating to us. And to the first, the first Christians when he's writing this, hypogrammas means a template. And it's a tool that they used to teach writing back in that day. So when I was in school, I'm 28. I don't know if they teach penmanship or cursive writing in school anymore. I don't know. I like handwriting. Um, my wife doesn't probably like it that much because she can't read it all the time. But anyways, the picture that the Holy Spirit communicated to me when I was studying, when I was reading this, is he showed me 
the old template, or one of them that I used to use. And it was a plastic template, probably about yay big. And it had a capital A and a lowercase a, a capital B, lowercase b, and so on and so forth. And I hope this makes sense to you because it really made sense to me. When you insert the pen to those, into that groove, you can see the B and you trace out the lines and everything. And then you remove that, that stencil or that template, you see this beautiful writing, right? You are that pen. You are that ballpoint. You are that pencil. Christ is the template. His word is the template that we must follow. We must insert our lives, which is the pen, just follow with me, into the grooves. And when we do this, we will follow in Christ's steps to the best of our ability. And will we, will we fall? Yes, we will. But we can get back up. Does your pen kind of sometimes jump out of the groove when you do that? Of course it does. But you have the power to put it back in. So keep putting it back in. And I promise you, when you remove that stencil, when you remove the template, so, yeah, when you remove that, whether you're out of the trial, you're standing victorious here on earth, or whether you're removing this stencil permanently and now you're with the Father in heaven, you will see a beautiful handwritten love letter that Christ has moved in and through you through the power of the Holy Spirit to what? To bring God's glory here on earth so that other people, your family members, your brother, your sister, your wife, every, your workplace will see the goodness of God. They can look at your story as a life or you can look at your life as a story and see the handwriting that God has done in your life. Are you guys following with me? So... Let us, as Christians, continue to get in our word, to do as Christ did. Go and find solitude with God. And just like those three men that we read about in Daniel, fully trust and believe, regardless of what the situation looks like in our lives. Our world is, you know, I'm sure every generation can probably say, especially, you know, well, actually, in all times, we're in the end times, and Christians all the time have said this, we're in the end times. And they're not wrong. We are in the end times. We are. But it is up to no man to know the day or the hour or the time. What is our job as Christians? Our job as Christians is to do as Christ did while he was here on earth. It's to love like Christ did. To hug, to give, to nurture, to feed, to pray as Christ did. And I promise you when we do that, we will see life changing, life change not only in our lives, but we'll see life change in our other areas of life, in our workplace, in our houses, in our homes, in our families, in our finances. I want that. I desire to live like Christ. I desire, you know why this tweaked me so much, this whole thing of this template? Because I so strongly desire that when I am taken to be with the Lord, or that when I am through a trial, when that template is lifted off, that other people would so easily see that Christ lived in this man, that Christ lived in this woman, that Christ lived in every single one of you. Do you want that? I desire that. I want Abbotsford. I want the nation. I want our churches all over the globe to start to live as best as we can as Christ did. Will we be perfect? No. But we serve the one who is perfect. And if we remain in him, if we continually insert our pen into the groove that is Christ, insert our life into the groove that is Christ, we will see it come to pass. Amen. My last point is this. I have 30 seconds left. The ending of that story in Daniel shows Nebuchadnezzar watching these men be thrown into the furnace. 
He sit, you know, I picture him sitting on his throne watching this go on. And I picture him jumping up because he says, look at this to his servants around him. Did we not throw three men in the fire bound up? The scripture says that there was another in the fire. And it says that those people were unbound, walking around. I picture those three men walking with Christ, walking with the risen. Well, he didn't, didn't have to die yet, but it's a Christophany. It's a picture of Christ. I see them walking with the Lord, hands lifted high, unbound, giving who? Yahweh glory above all things. So in your trials and in your tribulations and in your everyday lives, the highs and the lows of life, submit to him. Trust in his word. Be planted in this and walk in the grooves that Christ has laid before us as Christians. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Wasn't that beautiful? Oh, Jacob, I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of you both. What growth, hey? What growth. What a good God. What a great Holy Spirit and word of God that is getting planted in you both. I'm saying both because, you know, we've already heard this. This is round two for us, you know. Um, but through you guys, too. Um, you know, he's talking about the story of, you know, obviously Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, but the fourth man in the fire, as we know, is Jesus Christ. And one of the greatest parts of that story is, you know, and one of the things that we can learn through that is, you know, as we, you know, we'll be in the fire, but we're not going to be burned. We're going to come through the other side of the fire, and we're not going to smell like smoke. Amen? I think that's a word for some of us today. There's a beautiful scripture in Philippians 3.10. It's the Apostle Paul. He's, he, it, was a, it was a heart's cry for him. And he said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. You know, and a lot of people stop there. They're like, oh, this is great scripture. Philippians 3.10. That I may know, whoops, I'm going to fall off the thing. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. But that's not the best part of that because you can't have a resurrection without. You can't have a resurrection without death. And he says that I, because he understood of some things. He understood the gospel. He understood the message in the life of Jesus Christ, you know, which is the greatest story ever told, you know, that we want to have life, but for there to be a worth it in their life, there's got to be a cost, you know, and that cost is us laying ourselves every day on the altar as a sacrifice to the Lord. Amen. But he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Are you ready? Becoming like him in his death, if by any mean. I may obtain resurrection from the dead. As we're walking through life, you know, Jacob, you said this so well, you know, may we stay, you know, on our knees, hands surrendered, heads bowed low, you know, just like the old song says, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. But I want to close with the scripture here in the message. It says, there's more to come. This is in uh, Romans 5, okay? There's more to come, church. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. Oh, some of us know this to be so true. Uh, how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold out everything or to hold everything God generously pours into our life through the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we stay surrendered to the Lord Church, get ready. All right, and let's get ready for Jaden. Come on, let's give it up. You ready? You ready? Good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you all. 
just going to open in prayer and then jump right into things. Dear God, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you this is the day that you have made, that we will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for every heart that's in this room. I pray that every ear, every eye, and every heart is open to receive all that you'd have to say in me and through me. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. So this morning, I'm talking about unbelief. The first service, I kind of had a lot of notes, a lot of scriptures, and I was kind of a bit over the place, but I've done some revising, and it's going to be good. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're going to start in, um, I'm starting in Daniel chapter 6. Jacob was reading Daniel chapter 3, so it's cool how the Lord works. So starting in Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And so it says this, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, which are provincial rulers, to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was, was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault, because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So the governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. So basically what's happened here is um, um, Daniel, he's one of these uh, high officials. There's him and two other guys. And um, um, the Bible says that um, he was, like, distinguished. There was an excellent spirit in him from the rest, and the king wanted to make him um, ruler over the whole kingdom, and then these guys didn't like that, so then they come with this uh, document that says that you can't petition to any god or any man for 30 days, and um, the king signs it, and it can't be revoked, and then, so picking up in verse 10, it says this, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with the windows open, Toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees, and three times that day he prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom in the early days. And when you look at this, Daniel's response, like, he knows, he knows what's been signed. He knows what's coming down the road, but his response is one, is one of thanksgiving. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 say, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Part of the Lord's will is that you are rejoicing, is that you are not stopping praying, and that you are giving thanks in everything, even when it doesn't look good. The Bible says that he got down on his hands and knees three times a day. It's a, it's a response of this. God, I thank you that you are good. God, I thank you that 
for Philippians 1.6, I can be confident of this very thing, that he who has started the good work in me is going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I thank you for Psalm 23, that even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to fear no evil because I know you're with me, because I know your rod and your staff. You're the one comforting me. You're directing me every step of the way. I thank you that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that when, that when the devils try to attack me on every side, when I'm hard-pressed in every direction, I don't have to fear because greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. For there's more that are with us than there are with them. You know, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 10 says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous run to and they are safe. And we see, we see Daniel's responses. It's one, it's one of running to the Lord. You know, you can, you can fear man. You can fear circumstances. You, you, you can fear the storm. Or you can fear the Lord and believe that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I'll just, uh, picking up back in verse 10 of Daniel chapter 6. So, uh, now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was custom in his early days. Now, verse 11, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he had heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, will deliver you. Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the dead, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Verse 18, now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. And the king also arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the lions' mouths, so they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him, and also you, O king. I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that he should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury or whatever was found on him because he had believed in his God. I'm going to read that verse in the Amplified. So 
So verse 23 in the Amplified, then the king was greatly pleased and ordered that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no injury, whatever, was found on him because he had believed in, relied on, and trusted in his God. Going over to Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what was written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we, we also speak. My first point was thanksgiving over unbelief. My second point is the power of the spoken word. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Going over to Mark chapter 11 verses 12 to 14. Now, they, now, the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. This is Jesus. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Picking up uh, in verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and that you will have them. Jumping to Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. Jesus said, he says, when you pray, believe that you've already received them. We just read in Isaiah, it says, declaring the end from the beginning. It may not look good right now, but I'm declaring from where I'm standing. I see the victory. It's coming. I'm standing in it right now. This is why 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't say who sometimes is going to help us, who sometimes. It says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Going to John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the part of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Verse 28, and Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18 Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
You know, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we have the account of David and Goliath. And, you know, when, when David goes to fight Goliath, he tells Goliath, he said, you know, you're, you're coming to me with a sword, you're coming to me with a spear, you're coming to me with a javelin. Hallelujah. But I'm coming to you with the Lord of hosts. I'm coming to my battles. I'm coming to my Goliaths with the name that's above every other name. It's the name of Jesus. The Bible says at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I'm telling you, it's the name that addictions have to break out. It's the name that sets captives free. It's the name that sends the devil fleeing. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Talk about believing without seeing. I don't even, Jesus, I don't even need you to come to my house. I just need you to say it from where you are, because I believe it's going to happen. Verse 9. I know, that, I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officials, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if they say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, turning to those who were following him. He said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those who, whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into the outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 13, then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home, because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. You know, I'm talking about unbelief because I think unbelief is, is one of the things that can hold us back from walking into all that God has in store for us. Because if God says, I want you to walk through this door, but how can you do that if you can't believe him? How can you do that if you can't trust him? You know, in, in, um, in Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, to those who believe in my name, these, these signs are going to follow you. In my name, you're going to cast out demons. You're going to lay hands on the sick, and they're going to recover. If you drink anything deadly, it's not going to hurt you. Um, you know, Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. I think I'm going to end on time this time. We're doing good. Um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 in the Amplified reads, But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God, like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk 
and not grow tired. You know, I'm, I'm wrapping up now, but you know, what I'm really trying to communicate, whoops, hopefully that's okay. Um, what I'm really trying to communicate is, you know, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. Jesus said, you know, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living and dwelling inside of you. Same works that I did, you're going to do an even greater. And, you know, the call to follow Jesus, it's, it's one of believing without seeing. It's one of, you know, my, my life may look like this right now, but I'm declaring it's not going to end like this because I'm declaring the end from the beginning because I know, I know that... Um, that your word is it's a it's a lamp to my feet. I, I know that you know when I'm found in this book, you know, this isn't just any book, this is the word of God. Hebrews 4 12 says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces between soul and spirit. And you know, you know, one of my desires is is that I can see people who are living their lives in the truth. And it's found in here. Because how can I not tell people about this? When the Lord has, has changed my life, I think I'm done now. Very abrupt ending. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.